Welcome to Searching for the Grey Lady, a ghost from World War One at the RNOH, a Pegleg Productions podcast project created in collaboration with the Royal National Orthopaedic Hospital and Radio Broccoli, funded by the National Heritage Lottery Fund. Episode 3, Miss Mary Wardell's Jubilee Picnic. It is 1887, the year of Queen Victoria's Jubilee, the 50th year of her reign. Royalty from all over the world, kings, queens, princes and dukes, and governing heads of all overseas colonies and dominions, have been invited to the lavish celebrations taking place in London on the 20th and 21st of June. Amongst these guests is the Queen of the Hawaiian Islands, accompanied by her niece, Crown Princess Lily Yukalani. We are listening to a song called The Queen's Jubilee, and it is composed by Lily Lucalani on the 20th of June, 1887, in the Alexandra Hotel, London. She is an accomplished musician and composer of Hawaiian songs and chants, and she is the future queen of Hawaii. The following day, on the 21st of June, Queen Victoria rides in an open carriage in a magnificent procession through London to Westminster Abbey. That evening, she pots on a robe embroidered with silver roses, thistles and shamrocks and attends a banquet. On that same day, Miss Mary Wardell is busy organising a picnic on the lawn outside her convalescent home on Brockley Hill, a jubilee for the scarlet fever convalescence, celebrated in isolation. It is worth mentioning that Princess Lily Yukalani also had to handle a virulent epidemic when smallpox ravaged the Hawaiian Islands in 1881. She closed all the ports, halted all passenger vessels and initiated a quarantine of the affected. The measures kept the disease contained. Eighteen eighty seven, the girl's own paper. The Mary Woodall Convalescent Home for Scarlet Fever by Anne Beale. The Jubilee of our beloved Queen, June the twenty first, eighteen eighty seven, was variously celebrated all over the world. On that auspicious day, A touching little ceremony took place at the Mary Waddell Convalescent Home, Brockley Hill, Stanmore, which not only gives a pretty scene to the imagination, but which shows the reality of isolation necessary in cases of recovery from scarlet fever. The foundress of that noble institution wished to mark the day 
but how? She organised a little fete champêtre amongst the trees, to which all the convalescents were bidden, but to which no extern could be invited. Adults and children, nurses and servants, matron and sister, however, formed a goodly company. And the lame, the halt and the blind managed to gather to the feast. A prominent feature was a splendid cake, properly sugared and ornamented with a VR and other royal emblems, presented by the baker in token of gratitude for a child restored to health at the home. But the prettiest feature of the fete was the planting of a rose, a shamrock, and a thistle by three of the juvenile convalescents, the youngest of which was three years of age. All the party wore medals, commemorative of the Jubilee, and if the reader will conjure up the scene, he or she will understand something of what scarlet fever means. Such patients, as were able to walk, reached the spot set apart for the little festivity readily enough. But there was one to whom the fell disease had left the heritage of a spinal complaint, and who had to be carried. Others who were blinded for life, one crippled, and all more or less shaken, albeit on the road to recovery. Their benefactress, Miss Mary Waddell, moved fearlessly amongst them, and the nurses looked like so many big poppies, their costumes of turkey red. This colour suggests more than meets the eye. There was a terrible panic in the neighbourhood when the convalescent home was first proposed, for everyone knows how infectious scarlet fever is. Even the nurses would spread the malady. So they were attired in their most conspicuous of colours, which made them visible from afar for all who feared the contagion. And who does not? Everyone, apparently, except the doctors and the invulnerable few. For the fine house and grounds had been isolated by high walls and a cordon of orchard over which the patients may not pass. It is estimated that 20,000 scarlet fever patients annually infect our already fetid London atmosphere. It is no wonder, therefore, that all the celebrated medical men in the metropolis rallied round Miss Waddell, and that one of the patriarchs of the Benevolent Brotherhood said, I wish I were a younger man, but I might plant my foot into the work and help you with all my might. To return to the Jubilee party and what they surveyed, a large roomy mansion on a hill with one story for private patients who could afford to pay the three guineas a week for the convalescents and another story on which they are admitted for 15 shillings and the children who may, with God's blessing, be restored at the smaller charge of 12 shillings. Those onlookers knew the process of disinfection that went on from morning till night and that even the drainage was, so to say, isolated. 
in the outcry of the public, it was stated that drains convey infection and so an expensive system of drainage has been carried out which communicates with no outside drains. Everything can short that philanthropy aided by modern science can do has been done to render Stanmore convalescent home an isolated place of recovery from fell and infectious malady. While our Jubilee party enjoy their alfresco retreat, we will glance through a few of the rooms that they have vacated. They are all tastefully decorated and furnished so as to please the eye of the invalid. Pictures and portraits presented by friends adorn the walls and in the rooms named after different benefactors, their portraits are conspicuous. Books toys, ornaments have been presented by many generous benefactors and various firms have given of their manufactures. Here is even a piano given by Messrs Brimstead and as to the books, the religious tract, Christian knowledge, the Bible societies have all helped form a library. Indeed, we are inclined to believe that good overrides bad in this happy England of ours, for no sooner is a great work contemplated, the means to complete it flow in. Scarcely ten years ago, Miss Mary Waddell first imagined this home, and in four years she has collected £12,000, and it was opened by the Prince and Princess of Wales, ever ready for every good work. Meetings and a rose show at the Mansion House, concerts at Grosvenor House and Dudley House, a drawing room meeting at Mr Gladstone's, a lawn tennis tournament aided our foundress in her arduous work. She has seen poor children rejected from charitable institutions and grown-up people return to their homes to spread infection because there was no retreat such as this for the convalescent. And it was laid on her heart, she explained, to find some place of refuge for the infected until all danger of contagion had passed. And thus, from the efforts of Our Lady, this home arose. Numbers of working girls, stricken by contagious disease, have set off to fever or smallpox hospital, returned to their business before their health is set up and the disease radically cured. They spread infection, even through the very work they do. And it is to avoid this and complete their cure that convalescent homes are such inestimable booms. At Brockley Hill, there is even a private omnibus to fetch the patient and to prevent terrible calamity of the disease in the railway carriage or cab. The carelessness of the world is great and amounts to intense selfishness. Friends carry off a patient for a change of air, heedless of the consequences to others. An unsuspecting fellow passenger or successor in a cab or omnibus takes the disease and perhaps loses a life. Therefore, we cannot be too thankful for the omnibus that travels from Edgware 
to Earl's Court, from Whitechapel to Watford, to bring the patients to Stanmore free of charge. As for the omnibus, it must be tired of the disinfecting process, for it performs this species of quarantine between every fresh journey. The poor vehicle must be tightly closed, while a solution of hydrochloric acid is poured upon a pound of chloride of lime and placed in an open pipkin inside it. As for the house, it takes one's breath away to hear of all the acids and sodas, carbolic soaps, sanitas and whatnot, all employed in the rooms and laundry. It is difficult for people who have not themselves suffered to realise the various legacies left by scarlet fever. It behoves us then to strive to be independent of them. We should observe to the utmost of our power the law of health, cleanliness and sobriety and moderation in all things. The scriptural motto, cleanliness is next to godliness, should be written upon all our houses and followed as all scripture ought to be. Then both disease and death would often be averted Let our girls, especially, take this to heart, since much depends on them. Each woman can do something to make home, however poor, clean and attractive. We seem to be straying from our subject, but we are not. No one has a charmed life and uncleanliness menaces to all sorts of infection. Even the doctor, nurse, Bible woman and other workers amongst the poor have taken refuge in our Stanmore Hospital after scarlet fever, caught while doing their duty. During one year, 1887, the report records eight trained nurses and 19 nurses or relatives who have been in attendance on patients as having been at the home. These were out of a total of 306, of whom nearly 200 are children. Thus, we see the necessity of all the disinfecting, care, cleanliness and isolation practised at home and would urge on the multitudes outside liable to the disease to use every precaution against it since prevention is better than cure. Episode 3, Miss Mary Wardell's Jubilee Picnic, is written and directed by Nicola Lane. The narrator is Keith Reeve, Radio Broccoli's award-winning broadcaster. And the reader is Anne-Marie Creamer. For more details and information, go to www.peglegproductions.org forward slash podcasts. Oh, no, no, no.